0: In the name of God who loves us, God who once walked among us, and God who spurs us ever on. Amen. Amen. If you were here during the week of Vacation Bible School this summer, you may have met some of my grandchildren, including Sam, the oldest. Sam will turn eight next month. And I thank you for taking such good care of them. On Wednesday of the week of Vacation Bible School, Sam arrived at the church and announced he was so tired of talking about Jesus, he didn't want to do it anymore. I saw one of you kind people right after that happened, and you asked me how I was doing. (laughs) A little distressed, I related the story. Oh, don't worry, this understanding dad told me, I won't tell anyone. I appreciate that was my reply, but not to worry, Sam has already told everyone he could possibly find how tired he is of talking about Jesus. On Ash Wednesday, I came home after our evening services to a phone message from Sam. Grammy, we were looking at the Easter stories tonight and I wanted to know, why they use nails to put Jesus on the cross, why didn't they just use duct tape? (laughs) For Lent, it seems, Sam has decided to re-engage in conversation about Jesus, for which I am tremendously grateful. (laughs) The best answer I could come up with so far is that duct tape would have been a great option, Sam, but unfortunately, it had not yet been invented. Perhaps you have more to add to my answer to Sam and I'd love to hear from you. As we gathered outside the front doors of the church on Tuesday evening to burn the palms from last year's celebration of Palm Sunday, we talked about what came to mind when we considered these symbols that were before us, palms and ashes, palms turned into ashes. Journey was one of your responses. And I've been pondering that image ever since. It really speaks to me. We have embarked on a Lenten journey, a journey that hopefully will take us to a place of deeper knowledge of God, a place of closer relationship with God. The children's service on Ash Wednesday was an acted-out journey. A group of 50 of us traveled around the nave to each of the five stations where we engaged the symbol with each one of our senses. We touched and poured the water of baptism. We felt and smelled the fragrant oil of anointing. And we looked at the light of the candles glowing in the dark church. And then we got our hands dirty touching the ashes. Thank goodness Denise had wipes. I would love that we began with three symbols of baptism, water, oil, and light. The fourth station was a word we don't say during Lent. It begins and ends with an A. And we put that framed word away, as some of us talked about things we had decided to put away, to give up for Lent. Some had given up sweets or television. One said she had given up fighting with her sister. Another said she was giving up thinking unkind things about other people. All of these things represent extra baggage, baggage we're tempted to take on our journey through life. But these things can weigh us down, and they can clutter our lives to the point that we, don't, we find we don't have room for the things that matter most. The ashes were the final station where we remembered we all come from dust, and we all return to dust. It's a reminder to me that it's important to savor this journey, to make the most of it. We also recalled ashes were used in Old Testament times when people wanted to express sorrow for hurtful things they had done and for sadness when a loved one had died. These five stops initiated us on our Lenten journey, and then we gathered around God's table to receive food for the journey, food to sustain us on this journey of 40 40 days as we gathered to make Eucharist. During this first week, we continue to look at what we need for our Lenten journey. What will we take with us? I don't know about you, but I'm not, though I would very much like to be, a minimalist packer. I worry that I might need that extra sweater or that extra shirt or whatever, and so I throw it in the suitcase. And then I have to lug it all around, and it weighs me down. We had some friends stop overnight with us on Friday, before leaving for a week in Europe. They each had one carry-on bag, and that was it. They had decided, though, that the one tour book they had wouldn't be enough, and so they'd had another one shipped to our house, one that would supplement and complement the first guidebook. Our tour book for this year's Lenten journey is Mark's Gospel, It will be supplemented some weeks by John's Gospel and, of course, the Hebrew Scriptures and the Epistles. We recall that Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels and the first to be written. And because Mark's is the shortest Gospel, it wouldn't surprise us that he leaves out many details the other Gospel writers include. Perhaps that's no more obvious today than it is is in today's reading. In just seven verses, look what Mark has covered. Jesus has been baptized, he has gone into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted and tried. John the Baptist has been arrested and ended his ministry, and Jesus has begun his ministry, all in seven verses. And you also know that when a story is told by more than one gospel writer, I want to pay attention to the differences in their versions. In Mark's telling of the story, John simply baptizes Jesus. There's no conversation between the two men as there is in Matthew's gospel as to the appropriateness of Jesus being baptized at all. No discussion about whether Jesus needs to be baptized or whether John is qualified to to baptize him. In Mark's version, as soon as Jesus comes up from the water, still gasping for air, the spirit soars wildly into his life. The heavens are torn apart, Mark tells us. Torn apart as the temple veil will be torn apart at the time of Jesus' death. Mark uses the same Greek verb at that point. In Mark's telling, the voice from heaven speaks directly to Jesus. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. There is no indication that either John or anyone else hears the voice or sees the spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. Jesus sees and hears the Spirit, but we, the audience, may be too preoccupied with our daily tasks to even notice, to even notice the change in him. (coughs) In Matthew's Gospel, the voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, not speaking directly to Jesus, leading us to believe others heard the voice as well. Following the baptism, Mark and Matthew and Luke tell us the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, while Mark says the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. It's a much harsher verb. Mark simply tells us Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan throughout the 40 days. He doesn't describe Jesus' hunger or the trials Jesus faced. Nor did he record the dialogue between Jesus and Satan that we find in Matthew and Luke. Mark, but not Matthew or Luke, tells us Jesus was with the wild beasts. He doesn't elaborate on their role, but it seems they represented some of the forces of evil with which Jesus had to contend during his wilderness time. In Mark's gospel, the angels waited on Jesus the entire time he was in the wilderness. But in Matthew's Gospel, the devil doesn't begin to tempt Jesus until he's already been in the wilderness for 40 days. And the angels don't begin waiting on him until the devil departs. The duration of 40 days is reminiscent of the Israelites' 40 years in the wilderness, where they were tested, and also where they were formed as God's people. It was a time for Jesus to prepare for and discern his public ministry and a time for him to determine how he would live into his identity as God's beloved son. Finally, Mark tells us that right after John the Baptist's ministry ends with his arrest, Jesus' ministry begins back in his home territory in Galilee. His ministry begins with his proclamation, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus' ministry will end with his ad- arrest, an arrest that, like John the Baptist, leads to his death. The kingdom of God has come near. It has already arrived, not yet in all its completeness, but it has begun. Jesus' call, as John the Baptist's, is to repent, to turn around. We have may have missed the coming of this kingdom of God, this reign of God, because we were so busy, it's time for us to turn back and see what we've missed. We may need to turn from the things that keep us from noticing, keep us from serving God. In the Kerygma Bible Studies, we've been engaged in the theme God's people have leaders but only one king. We looked at many of the kings who reigned in Israel before the birth of Christ. A few of them were good kings but more of them were bad kings. We also learned that the author of the Book of Kings evaluated kings according to their faithfulness to God, not necessarily by how well they ruled or whether they were able to expand the kingdom. We then pondered what the kingdom of God was like. We talked about what we mean when we pray those words in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. God's kingdom, God's reign is one of peace, we decided where one day, when it does come in all its fullness, God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It will be a place where sorrow and hurt and pain will be no more. During this Lenten season, may we commit to adopting these kingdom values, to living them out. Now, whether we look on our Lenten journey as a wilderness time, a time of testing and trial as it was for Jesus, It is a time for us to claim and live into our identity as the people of God. It is a time of claiming and living into the proclamation, you are my beloved daughter, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. That identity is one of the gifts of our baptism. And along with the gifts come responsibilities. One of the responsibilities of our baptism is to to be called to be ministers in the world. Our Lenten journey is a time to make time for conversation with God and perhaps with those in the community as we discern how we are living out and living into that call. How are we together as a community and individually sharing the good news that God's kingdom has come near? How are we facilitating its coming more fully in our time and in our place? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are privileged to watch you on your humble, glorious journey. We are blessed to follow you from baptism through the wilderness and into the midst of the people with whom we share the good news of the reign of God. And we are awed that our journey with you will take us through these 40 days of Lent to Jerusalem, to Calvary, and then to the empty tomb. We pray that you will give us strength for the journey, that we may have the discipline to follow where you have led the way. Amen.